First Kings 17, verse seven, eventually the brook dried up because of the drought. And God spoke to him, get up, go to Zarephath and Sidon and live there. I've instructed a woman who lives there, a widow to lead you. So he got up and went to Zarephath. And as he came into the entrance of the village, he met a woman, a widow, gathering firewood. He asked her, please, would you bring me a little jug of water? I need a drink. And as she went to get it, he called out, this is such a, a dude move. And while you're at it, will you bring me something to eat? <laughs> and all the husbands said, praise the Lord. All right. And she said, I swear, as surely as God lives, I don't have as much as a biscuit. I have a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a bottle. You found me scratching together just enough firewood to make my last meal for my son and me. After we eat it, we'll die. Elijah said to her, don't worry about a thing. Go ahead and do what you've said. But first, everyone say first. But first make a small biscuit for me and bring it back here. Then go ahead and make a meal from what's left for you and your son. This is the word of the God of Israel. The jar of flour will not run out and the bottle of oil will not become empty before God sends rain on the land and ends this drought. And she went off and did it just as Elijah asked. And it turned out as he said, daily food for her and her family. The jar of meal didn't run out and the bottle of oil didn't become empty. God's promise fulfilled. I wanna preach from the subject drought-proof. Drought-proof. Look at your neighbor, tell them, I'm drought-proof. I'm drought-proof. <laughs> I'm drought-proof. I'm drought-proof. I'm drought-proof. Father, speak now in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, and amen, and amen, and amen. As a preacher, I must admit that I really do love, uh, I love this story. Because in verse one, under a moment of Holy Ghost inspiration, Elijah looks at the evil King Ahab and he says, God is going to judge you for being wicked and there is a drought coming upon the land. And as soon as he says it, the clouds disappear. The, the moisture in the air disappears. It becomes as dry as a Las Vegas summer day. Their lips get chapped. And God's word is fulfilled in a moment. There is a drought in the land. And Elijah is just kind of feeling himself at this moment because he declared the word of the Lord and it came to pass. And I kind of get that moment because there's times I'm preaching. I'm like, oh my God, God's speaking to me right now. This is so cool. And so Elijah's kind of feeling that. And then the Holy Spirit leads Elijah to literally go hide out from this evil king. And Elijah is now under a tree. And the Bible says that God provided supernaturally a brook of fresh water that continued to give him water and that ravens would fly in every day and drop off meat and bread. It was Uber Eats before Uber Eats. And he would eat and he would drink every day while he's laughing at the evil king Ahab who's under a drought. And Elijah's kind of feeling himself. And that's in verse one. Um, but now we started in verse seven. <laughs> and in verse seven, the brook dried up. Elijah prophesied himself right into trouble. We do the same thing. It's January 1st. And we feel in Holy Ghost salty. I'm entering a new season. Don't be surprised if you get unfriended. 
Don't be mad if you get blocked. God's taking me higher. It's a new day. God's doing a new thing in my life. I'm going to the next level. And, and we love it until we find out that new levels have new devils. <laughs> and new seasons require new trust. And, and, and new levels require new faith. Because you prophesy a new thing, and then when God starts doing a new thing around August, you don't like it because now you're feeling lonely and you're feeling uncomfortable and you're feeling like, God, where are you? And God's going, I'm right in the situation you told me to put you in. You wanted to go higher, but not everyone's going to go higher with you. You wanted to go to the next level, but not everyone's going to go. And now you're having to deal with the uncomfortable season that you prophesied and prayed your way into. God, where are you? I'm answering your prayers. That's where I am. So new levels require new trust, new ideas, new creativity, new relationships, new sacrifice, fresh faith, fresh fire, fresh wind. I kind of feel like Elijah right now because a couple of months ago, under what I think was Holy Spirit inspiration, <laughs> I got up and said, this building's too small. We're moving out. God's going to give us a new building. Turn up. And everyone's like, turn up. Ah! And y'all said amen. And now we got a year to leave. <laughs> God's going to provide. Turn up. <laughs> I'm broke, <laughs> you know? I love it. Oh, I love it. I'm not, I'm not freaked out. I love it. Let me tell you why. Because at this church, we will always prophesy our way into higher levels, huh. preach our way into greater trust, sing our way into new opportunities, pray our way into bigger vision, give our way into longer reach, more need, and bigger miracles. I just want to tell you, I've been saying it all day, and I want to say it one more time, that if you're looking for a comfort zone, City Light isn't it. Like everything about us is extra and too much and, and, and bigger, bigger than our current season. Like we have a 250-seat room with eight loudspeakers. Come on, somebody. Like this could fill a 1,500-seat room, but we're like, let's go big. Like that's just kind of who we are. Like we've never had a sweet moment of worship. Like Weston's never been on the acoustic and breeze there. Yes, Lord. I just want to soak. We don't soak around here. Like, like we go in. Like... Maybe we pickle, but we don't soak. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, it's, everything's aggressive. Like, ah, like, when I call, you're, you're like, oh, my God, you're right there. <sighs> we're not the comfort zone church. We're, we're like kind of the wild church. We're kind of the crazy church. Like, like, like we're the church that is always going to have more vision than resource. We're, our dreams are always going to be bigger than our buildings. Our desire is always going to be more than what we currently have. We're going to be absolutely grateful but never content. We're going to be absolutely grateful but always leaning in for more because there are 2.2 million people in this city that I believe need to hear the message of Jesus and I believe God wants to use you and God wants to use me. And so we're never going to be the comfort. There's never going to be a day that we're like, ah. I don't think there's ever going to be a day we're debt free. I think we're always going to have debt because I think there's always going to be new things we're going to need. 
You know, some churches have pride in that. We're debt free. I think we're always going to have more need. I think we're always going to have more vision than resource. I think we're going to constantly going to have to go to banks. Why? Because there's going to be constant stuff we want. We're going to be constantly leveraging and growing and reaching out and starting another campus and starting more ministries and helping more people. It's, it's, it's always, it's like, it's never going to be like, ah, we're done. It's always going to be like another thing. Because we'll never operate from a comfort zone here. We're a faith church. And I believe we will see the provision every time. We've seen it for 18 months and we will see it in our future. But it's going to take all of us. I'm just telling you, it's going to take all of us. And Elijah prophesied himself into a problem. And as a church, we have this awesome problem. We need a building. It's amazing. What a great problem to have. A lot of people can't get anybody in their buildings. We're, we don't know where to put people. Our problem is we don't want a fifth service because the worship team will die. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how do we, they can't do that again. You know, like, <laughs> this is amazing. These are good problems. We need, we, we're always needing more people. We need more people serve. We need more people give. Like, like it's always, we're always in the faith deficit. And I love that. Let me just give you a few things I see from the text that I believe will build your faith as we get ready for August 25th. Number one, you are a part of God's story. You are. You. Not just the preacher, you. Not just Elijah, the woman. Yeah. She was a part of God's story. God sent Elijah to Zarephath because he had instructed a woman who lived there, a widow, to feed him. Now notice this. God told Elijah, I've already talked to a woman, I got her ready, and she's gonna feed you. But when Elijah shows up, she didn't know anything about it. She was prepared, but in the dark. That's kind of how some of y'all are walking into this church. Y'all didn't know what you were signing up for. You're like, I like that church. It's really cool. We like the music. Y'all didn't know you were going to be a part of providing for the ministry. <laughs> you didn't know you were ready to get involved. You didn't know you were ready to serve. You didn't know you were ready to help. You didn't know God was going to use you. She didn't know God was going to use her in a supernatural way. And, and maybe I should just say this. Some of, some of y'all maybe, maybe just don't know how churches work. So I'll just break it down real quick. Like, um, like we don't, you know, you look around, you go, how does all this happen? Like, do you have like a millionaire that like funds this? No. <laughs> Jabin, are you like really wealthy? Are your parents wealthy and they pay for all this? No, no. Do, do you have a church that just like sends money to make sure ministry happens? No. Um, does the Holy Spirit write checks and drop them off at the door? No, he's never written me a check. I would love that because <laughs> I think it would be big. <laughs> no, he hasn't. Do you have a denomination that like covers everything? No, no, we, we just are ordinary people like Elijah who have connected with ordinary people like this woman and we've partnered together. 
and we make ministry happen. It's on the faithful tithes and offerings of regular people like you and like me. That's how this works. This, this doesn't just happen. We don't get government funding. We don't get help from people. We just, normal people show up at this church and go, man, I feel what God is doing here. I believe I'm supposed to be a part of it. And they start giving towards it. And that's how we do everything we do. We don't do this off one big giver that makes sure everything gets done. We don't have a mega giver. We don't have a, a, you know, a millionaire or billionaire in the house that just kind of keeps things running. We just have a lot of hundred heirs, amen, <laughs> who, who they just give their little and we all give our little and a little becomes much in the hand of the master and, and we're able to do a lot because you are a part of God's story and it's a partnership. It's a partnership. See, here, here's the text. Here's the scripture my wife and I got when we moved here. This was the word of the Lord for us, Acts 16, 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man in Macedonia, you could put Vegas, and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And the word of the Lord came to us, and here was the word, Jabin, people are praying for you to come. Now they don't know they're praying for you, they don't know who Jabin is yet. Some of y'all still don't know my name, you call me Jabin, Jabez, and everything else. <laughs> Keeps me humble. Yeah. They weren't, people weren't praying for me, they weren't praying for Shannon. They weren't praying for City Light, but they were praying for a ministry like what we're doing. And so every week we still get people who go, I've been praying for this. I was, I was believing for this. I, I didn't know if this kind of church would exist in our city. We're not the best church. We're not the coolest church. We're not the freshest church. We're not the most excellent church. We're not the, but we do believe we have a unique voice in our city. It's not in competition with anybody else. It's not better than anybody else. We need every church in the city to do what they're called to do. But we definitely do feel like there was a unique thing that we could bring to the city. And the word of the Lord came to us, Jabin, they're praying for you to come. And that has been the testimony of so many people. We prayed for a church like this. And you showed up on my Facebook page or, or an ad showed up on my Instagram or, or the mailer showed up in my mailbox and here we are. And I believe that that is an answer to the call of God on our lives. See, churches can fulfill their destiny in a city when the pastor and the people take their call seriously. But in that famine, Zarephath needed Elijah but Elijah needed that woman. It was a partnership. She needed a prophet to sustain her in her famine, but the prophet needed her faith. We need each other. Like if you're called to this church, I need you. If you're not called to this church, I don't need you. But if you're called to this church, I need you. And if you're called to this church, you need me. And if you ain't called to this church, you don't need me. I play no spiritual relevance in your life unless you're called here. But if you are, there's a partnership between us. And it's not self-serving. God's bigger than me. God's bigger than you. But in his perfect will, he attaches people, heart and soul. Let me show it to you in Philippians 4. Not that, I love how Paul starts his offering. This is so apostolic swag right here. Look what he says. Not that I desire your gifts. Isn't that the best way to start an offering? I don't need y'all's money. It's pretty cool. Like, you better be an apostle to say that. But notice what he says. What I desire 
is that more be credited to your account. Here's, here's what I think Paul's saying, because I don't think he's just being salty. I think, he's, I think he's saying something. I think he's saying, here's how this will really be best. Philippian church, I feel called to you. Philippian church, you feel called to me. Let's partner together. Now, if you don't give, God's going to take care of me. I don't need your gifts. You don't give, we gonna, God's going to do something for us. If I screw up and lose the ministry, God will give you another pastor. But in, in his perfect will, we're called together. That's what he's saying. And then he says this, and every time you give, it's credited to your account. In other words, all of the ministry that I go out and do, the apostle Paul's saying, I don't get the credit for it. You get the credit for it. Think about that. Every soul saved. Every person who receives a miracle, every breakthrough, every healing goes to their account. Look at Romans 10, 15. And how can the message be proclaimed if messengers have not yet to be sent? Have yet to be sent, excuse me. Paul is saying, guys, the gospel doesn't go forth unless the people of God send the preachers. Like every tither and offering giver in this house, you send this church. And everything we do for God as a church, we do together. On Friday night, I was in Austin, Texas preaching. Saw about 400 people come to Christ. You will meet 400 Texas brothers and sisters in the Lord when you get to heaven. Because you sent me. You sent me. Last week, I was in Virginia, preached at a church of about 9,000 people. Hundreds of people gave their lives to Christ. You're going to meet all these people from Virginia. You didn't know you had cousins in the South. <laughs> and you're going to meet all of them because you sent me. So the next time you show up to church and I'm on the screen, don't go, <sighs> <laughs> come on. By the way, I thought that video was fire. 68 floors up in the penthouse suite. I thought that was pretty, like, it's pretty clean. Like, Omar crushed that. That was pretty fire. You know, I thought... That was better than a lot of videos. Come on. But my point is, when I'm not here, you're sending me. And everything I do out there for the world goes to your account. And, and especially in this service, the 6 p.m., a lot of young people in this service, y'all love social justice. I love it. But there is not a greater social justice organization you can get behind than the local church. There, there isn't. There isn't. <laughs> so let me tell you what we do. Let me, I'll just give you a few things we do. Not everything, a few things we do. We, every giver in this house, we dig two wells every year in Africa. They cost $6,000 a piece. $1,000 a month, and we dig wells. And we provide clean water to a village for a generation, 40 years. And we dig those wells. You say, we dig them? Yeah, we do it. You ever been? Nope. But my money goes and so does yours. Our tithe goes there. And then when that water gushes out of the ground, those people who dig those wells are also Christians and they go, now let us tell you about living water. And they see whole villages come to Christ through a ministry called Life Today. We do that. You're gonna meet all these people in heaven one day. Because this is going to your account. We take men off the street and put them through a program called Teen Challenge and get them cleaned up, off drugs, off alcohol, and back in the workforce. We do that. 
We put a roof over their head. We put clothes on their back. We make sure food's in their belly. We do that. We help formerly incarcerated men and women re-enter the workforce and rejoin their families through, through an organization called Hope for Prisoners. We do that. We give them job skills so that they don't become repeat offenders like 70% of formerly incarcerated people. We help them get back on their feet. We send thousands of dollars. We, us, you. We send thousands of dollars every year to the most unreached people groups in the world in an area called the 1040 window. It's the most populated area of the world. There's about 4 billion people in that area and most of them are not Christians. It's highly Muslim. And it's kind of that Northern Africa, Middle East into Asia. It's highly persecuted. Um, most people, it would be illegal for them to be Christians, but we're sending missionaries into those regions. We're sending in literally the Green Berets, the, you know, the, I mean, special forces. We're, we're sending in radical missionaries. I'll never probably go. You'll probably never go, but we go. And they're having a house church revival where they're seeing thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming to Christ in house churches. And it's the most beautiful worship you've ever heard because like in here we go loud and lit, but in those little, in those little homes, they have to whisper praise to God because they can't let their neighbors hear them. So they literally get in circles and they just sing acapella at the bottom of their, not at the top of their voice, but it just at as low as they can. And they sing and they pray and they whisper and they worship. And we are paying for Bibles to be translated into their language. And we are sending missionaries and we are seeing people get water baptized and we are helping. We're, we're doing that. You, this goes to your account. On average, we see about 20 people come to Christ every week. It's on your account. Over 1,700 people have said yes to Jesus in our church since we started. I'll let y'all clap if you want to clap. If you don't want to clap, that's fine. A 1,000 people come into church every week in 18 months. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Every marriage restored, every hope restored, every child that's been born again, every, every person filled with the Holy Spirit, every person water baptized, that goes to your account. Paul says, I don't want to do this without you. Elijah was called to a woman, and this woman was called to Elijah. We are a part of the story of God. Whatever you give on the 25th, everything that happens in that new building goes to your account. What you don't know, a lot of you don't know, is that all on this floor are promises written down. About 200 people showed up one Sunday night, and we wrote down scriptures and promises and prayer requests. And now we'll go into another building and not just 200 people, but a lot of people are going to go into that new building and they're going to write down promises from God and scriptures and prayers and dreams. And God's going to do it again. You are a part of the story of God. Number two, this is not the end. This is not the end. This woman was hopeless. And there are so many hopeless people in our city. They've tried everything. They've seen it all. They've experienced it all. And they have no hope. Hope is the positive expectation of something good. And so many people have lost hope. This woman said, I'm going to eat and I'm going to die. She lost hope. Let me, let me give you my definition of hopelessness. Yesterday was better. 
tomorrow will be worse. If that's how you feel right now, you're hopeless. But I believe God's going to infuse your soul with hope. And I think a lot of people walk into our church every week and they feel like that right there. It was better. It's just getting darker. But I believe that we are absolutely called to bring hope to a city. And I want to tell somebody, this is not the end. She said, after we eat, we'll die. Listen, she didn't know that. Come on, somebody. She didn't know that. I'm going to eat dinner and die. She didn't know she was going to die. She was hopeless. Every negative emotion that you feel about your future is not from God. Okay, one more time. Every negative emotion you feel about tomorrow is not from God. Every fear you have about what could happen is from the enemy. And the devil's a liar. <laughs> she said, we're going to die. She wasn't going to die. Let me tell you what the enemy does. The enemy throws out unholy guesses. We, we learned about it in our spiritual warfare series that we just got through, fiery darts, fiery arrows. And he just hopes you'll believe it. Tomorrow's going to get worse. Life's never going to get better. You're never going to get a breakthrough. You're never going to prosper. You're never getting out. Marriage will never be the same. Life will never be the same. Money will never be the same. Your relationship with God will never be the same. You've made too many mistakes. And he's just throwing stuff out and he's hoping you're going to go, okay, I agree with that. But he doesn't know your future. Listen, the devil doesn't know your future. (laughs) The Bible said God knows the end from the beginning. Not the devil. God. The enemy has no idea what's happening tomorrow. You know more about your future than the devil does. Because you have the Bible. Hello. So let me remind you about your future. Jeremiah 29, 11. Please don't let this scripture just become so common to you because it's on a pillowcase somewhere in your house or it's on your refrigerator or, or it's on your screensaver. Like this is the word of the living God, y'all. This is not Tony Robbins, Dr. Phil, Oprah, Joel Osteen, anybody. This is the Bible. This is from the mouth of God Almighty to you. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope. Plans to give you a future. I didn't say that. God said that. A preacher didn't say that. God said that. Gary V didn't say that. God said that. I'm telling you right now, God has a plan for your future. It's a good future. David said, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That means while I'm still alive, I'm going to see it. Jesus said, I go ahead of you to prepare a place for you. He is planning your future, preparing your future, making a place for your future. Come on. Your future is good, not perfect, not free from complications, but it's good. So listen, if it's not good now, God's not done. 
Come on, somebody shout. I feel like you want to. Go ahead, praise the Lord. This is not the end. Number three, do the ridiculous. See the miraculous. So, so she says, I'm going to eat and die. And Elijah is a total bro. He's like, yeah, but first, can you make me some food? This is such a marriage fight, by the way. All the married people, you know, I'm leaving you for sure. But can you order some Uber Eats before you leave? Everyone who's not married is like, never. No, this happens. There's threats. Amen. <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm never coming back. Is there food in the fridge? We good? Okay, good, good, good. Okay. Elijah goes, okay, okay you're going you gonna to die? Okay. But first. Yeah. Look at verse 13, please. But for everyone, say first. first. One more time, say first. first. Elijah says, but, but first. See, God, God is not my last resort. He's my first response. I don't do what I do and then God. No, but first. Elijah was basically saying, girl, why don't you bring God into this situation? Like, why don't you let a miracle happen? Put God first. Let me just tell all the, all the tithers in here, you know this to be true. If you're not a tither, you need to know this. Uh, we, don't, we don't do what we do and spend what we spend, and then if there's leftover, we tithe. That's not a tithe. Even if you give 10%, that's still not a tithe because the Bible says the tithe is first fruits. It takes no faith to do what you want, buy what you want, live how you want, and if it's a good month, you tithe. That doesn't honor God. It appeases your religiosity, but it doesn't honor God. A tithe is where the money comes. You go, well, that's legalistic. Don't re relax, relax, relax. Take it easy. The tithe is when the money hits my account, the first thing I do personally is I go to citylightvegas.com. Hey, this is my home church. <laughs> And I tithe. And then, if I have it, I'll have cable. If I have it, I'll have Wi-Fi. If I have it, I'll get the new drop on fear of God. Come on, somebody. But I don't do that first. <laughs> Nevada gas isn't first. God's first. Yeah. Electricity isn't first. God's first. And I, and I tithe, for, but first, and then I trust him to do with 90 what I could not do. And I budget and I steward and I believe on 90. But first, okay, got quiet in here. Y'all like point two better. That's all right. Now I want you to notice something. Elijah did not say, bake a really big biscuit. Cut it in three. And let me have a piece. He didn't say that, huh? He said, make me one first. <laughs> now, I don't care how spiritual you are. That girl was ticked. 
Because when you bake, you waste. Come on, ladies, y'all know, or sensitive men, y'all know this to be true, right? <laughs> Anybody bake like me? Come on, somebody. Flowers going everywhere, stuff's going everywhere. It's a waste. So to do two different batches is a waste. But see, Elijah had like this fire-breathing ministry where he could call down fire from heaven. So like, she couldn't just be like, get out of my house in the name of Jesus, you punk. He, she, he, she couldn't do that because she didn't want to be a French fry. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so when he's like, make me a biscuit, she's like, okay, man of God. I'll, yeah. <laughs> just be a couple minutes and she's... Kneading that dough. You're right out. She puts it in the oven. Do the ridiculous. See the miraculous. She brings him. She brings it to him. And she's starving. And she's in a drought. And she's watching him eat. This is crazy. And he eats it. And as a guy, he... Says, ah, oh, it was pretty good. Little dry, little dry, but good, good, good. <laughs> All the women, you all know what I'm saying right now, don't you? It's good, babe. It's good. A little dry. It's good. A couple minutes too long in the oven. Good. And she's, oh, it's, oh I'm sorry, prophet. I'll do better next time. You idiot. You choke on that biscuit, aren't you? She's just standing there. She's hungry. Her boy's hungry. And Elijah's eating and he takes his last bite. He goes, hey, um, have you been back in the kitchen? Go check it out. She, she goes back to the kitchen, no doubt mumbling under her breath, no doubt frustrated. And, and the flour is back to where it was. And the oil's back to where it was. And she's going, my eyes are, I'm seeing I'm seeing things. I'm tripping. So she makes another cake real quick now and pours all the oil out, all the flour out, makes it, throws it in the oven, turns around, and the flour's back. And the oil's back. So she's, okay, let's make, no, make me another one. Throws it in the oven, turns around, and the flour's back. She did the ridiculous you're 18 months old. You're trying to take a miracle offering. Do you know how ridiculous? I know it's ridiculous. I know. You should just be happy people are showing up. I am. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You can ask people to give. I know it's ridiculous. But she did the ridiculous. And it released the miraculous. By the way, this is my testimony. This is my wife's testimony. We, we, we've always, but first, God... And God has somehow supernaturally sustained us in every season. Amen. And it's that ridiculous faith and that ridiculous obedience that has sustained us and carried us through. And it's, it's what's caused us to outlive every famine we've ever had to face. So let me just take you to point four. Obedience sustains you in the drought. Yeah. 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 Obedience will sustain you. It didn't stop the drought. She didn't make the cake and it started to rain. It sustained her through the drought. The Bible said the flour never ran out and the oil never ran out. And this drought was three and a half years. 
And did you notice the word said, and she fed her whole family, not just her son. That means overflow. That means more than enough. That means so much was happening that she had to start calling aunties and uncles and grandpa, grandma, brothers, sisters, cousins, third cousins, fourth cousins by marriage. Come on, somebody. Any Mexicans in the house? You thought you had cousins. They weren't your cousins after all, but mama told you they were cousins. Come on, amen. Am I the only one? Oh, yes, Sarita wasn't my cousin. No. She... And she starts feeding all of her family. And her obedience sustained her through the drought. I just want to tell you, you're going to outlive the drought. I want to tell you, you're drought-proof. Come on, somebody. I want to tell you, you're going to make it past this season. You might be in a challenge. It might be dry. (laughs) It might feel like, where's it going to come from? You're drought-proof. Because your ridiculous obedience is releasing the sustaining power of God that will take you through anything. I'm drought proof. You're drought proof. I will live in, it doesn't matter what's going on out there. I don't know who's going to get elected in 2020. I don't know what's going to happen to the stock market. I don't know what's going to happen. Is there going to be wars, rumors of war? I don't know. But we're drought proof. We're in the house of God. And my obedience is sustaining me through the drought. I want you to notice she didn't just have good intentions. She obeyed. When the prophet said do it, she did it. And it released a miracle. I've said this a million times. I'll say it a million more times. Every time you ask God for a miracle, he gives you an instruction. what he does. It's all through the Bible. All right, Javen. So the offering's coming up. What do you want me to give? You need to ask God that. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. It's none of my business. I don't know what you should give. I don't know what you make. I don't know what you're believing God for. I don't know what you can give. I don't know what you're supposed to give. That's between you and God. And if you're married, between you, God, and your spouse. All all I'm asking you to do is ask God. Elijah asked the woman for something specific, and she did it. And I believe that over the next two weeks as you pray, God will ask you for something specific. My only encouragement would be, my only encouragement would be, make sure that whatever you give is a faith gift. In other words, if you can do it without faith, I don't know. It's kind of whatever. Do it by faith. Do something that requires faith. If, if, if a dollar requires faith, do it. If a thousand dollars requires faith, do it. If a hundred thousand requires faith, do it. I don't know. I know the amount I feel like the Holy Spirit's talking to me about. It's going to require faith. It's going to require moving some stuff around. It's going to require some different accounts. It's going to require, it's, it's going to make me look at the check and go, Whoa. 
<laughs> Jabin, God loves the cheerful giver. You've never given enough. <laughs> he doesn't hate an uncheerful giver. <laughs> the biggest gifts we've ever given have been on. Jesus. But you know what? We've turned around and there's been flour in the jar. There's been oil in the jar. We've, we've given our way to this moment. We've given our way to our life. We've, and we're not, we're not stopping. We only want to do more. We gave our way out of poverty. We trusted our way. Yeah, we budgeted. Yeah, we've been smart. But it always started first. Giving God something. Trusting him, believing. That's between you and God. But I'm asking you to ask God. He'll talk to you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. Jesus said in John 10, the voice of a stranger you will not follow. He said, my sheep know my voice. You'll know. Do it. Trust him. And I promise you there's blessing on the other side. Wow. Jesus. <sighs> I feel Jesus in this place. Oh, I'm telling you. Did you get anything out of tonight? Is this good for you? Thank you. So, Father, we're asking um, for the faith and the courage to do whatever you tell us to do. That's our prayer. Like this woman, give us the faith to do it. And we believe that God's word will come to pass in our life. We're drought proof. You will sustain us through every season. And we will see the miraculous hand of provision in our lives for your glory. Lord, I thank you for every person you've called to this church during this time. It's a miracle. It's amazing. And I'm grateful. I come against the lies of the enemy that would try to take away from this moment, that would try to get people to believe, ah, this guy just is trying to take advantage of people. Or, no, Lord, I don't want any of that. Holy Spirit, help us all to hear beyond even my delivery and even beyond my own personality and let us all just hear from heaven. That's my prayer. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. you have planned for us. Thank you. I love you, Jesus. <laughs>